This week on the Magnificently Huge Podcast, Vampires and... Yeah. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. So, I don't like vampire movies. I'm going to start just right from that. I like zombie movies. They're fun. Uh, They say something about us and the collective of humanity and how we react to disasters. Vampire movies are just sort of like romance novels with little horror bits in them. Uh, I I, I don't know how this genre has lasted as long as it has. Anne Rice injected a lot of needed enthusiasm into these with her books, but then even that got old. Um, don't know. Don't know why it's a big deal. The guys try and explain it to me. Maybe you can too. You should, you should, you should let me know if you like vampire movies, why you're such a fan of them. Uh, we talk just about movies and, uh, uh, ones that work and ones that don't. And why don't you listen in and yeah, podcasting. I like the nightlife. I got the poke here. I own the disco. Wow, that was not the intro I was expecting. <laughs> Were you expecting maybe the Spanish Inquisition? Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. No one expects that. Uh, happy day, everybody. Welcome to the show. And July fifth, yeah. <laughs> as we speak into these these things. Yeah, it's it's Kanye Day. Kanye has decided oh, to run for president and Lord. save us all. July fifth, twenty twenty. Mark it in your calendars. The day irony died. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> well, there you hey, everybody, go. it's a magnificently huge podcast. <laughs> Let's do the intros. I'm Brian. This is Chris. I'm Eric. Man. There, we did it. Our intros suck. They still suck. That's amazing. What are you talking about? We had disco. <laughs> That's true. It was all downhill from there. That's true. Uh, it had nightlife. It had boogay. Uh-huh. It even had a disco around. Yeah. Oh, yay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can feel Brian cringing over there from here. <laughs> yeah, you know. oh, I just awesome. don't have anything to add. Yeah. I got a COVID cut uh, a couple days ago. A COVID we, cut. I, I, I bought a, a, a pair of shears because my hair was getting like wicked long and like it, it's that horrible wavy Italian hair that everyone likes unless they have it. Yeah. And so, <laughs> uh, yeah, just, just went in and just, just now I, I look like a testicle. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah. And, just, and I only have to do it one more time for the shears to pay for themselves. Okay. Um, is yeah, it like a, I have like a very a, round head. Is it like a bowl cut? No, no. It's, no, he buzzed uh, his head. Huh? Yeah, I buzzed my head, but with the longest uh, guard, so it's not like it, Here, it's not like Sergeant Carter. Yeah. Here's here's my challenge to anybody out there, because uh, it always struck me that quarantine time is the perfect time to do this. Uh, if anybody wants to grow a mullet, have at it, and then uh, send us your pics, because. This is the prime time to do it. I'm attempting, but the hair in back doesn't grow as quickly as the hair in front, so it just doesn't work for me. I'm I'm mullet challenged. <laughs> I'm sad to say. So. Well, I will I I will consider your offer. I will mullet over. Oh! Yeah, I figured that was a very Chris joke, and I, you'd appreciate it. That's, All right, that's about as good a segue to fresh shit as I've ever heard. <laughs> this shit is fresh. Oh shit, that is fresh. This stuff is real. All right, this is the fresh shit. This is where we're talking about stuff we've been watching and doing last week. Yeah. What have you been doing, Brian? Uh, well, let's let's just kick right into it. Hamilton hit Disney Plus this weekend. I am not throwing away my 
Um, crickets. So I watched that. I was I was gonna, but I just really didn't. That's basically how that worked out. <laughs> I mean, it's gonna be on there forever in a day, so I'm not in any hurry. You know, I. I gotta say, it feels like, well, one, it feels like the kind of thing that everyone is now supposed to like, whether they like it or not. Yeah. Like, like now, you're some kind of freak if you're like, I didn't like it. But I gotta tell you the truth, I didn't like it. See, that's, I, that's my fear, is that I will yeah. be in that camp. Like, everybody's hyped it up so much over the years that well, I'm gonna get yeah. into it, and I'm gonna be like, it's gonna be like a big shrug, meh, meh. I, I, I I would like to uh, I'd like to point out it is two hours and forty minutes long. It's, Holy sure, shit! It's a Broadway show. It's a lot. That's how long they are. That, that's, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and and what's what's worse for this particular thing? Okay, wait. The 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 I liked the music. I loved the choreography. I I thought the staging was smart, but it's. It's history dumbed down for people who don't like history. And as somebody familiar with all those stories, I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? That's not, no, what? And, and probably, Okay, now I get it. I'm and like, now <laughs> the biggest problem I have with it ultimately is it's a, 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 a multiracial cast of characters representing the story of the men who owned slaves that started this country. It's really weird. <laughs> well, I just don't like the fact that it's so historically inaccurate uh, because none of those musical numbers happened in real life. Let's there was a rap battle in the cabinet. Are you kidding? There's <laughs> there, always a I, rap battle in the cabinet. I don't think I got that in my history class. Maybe That's I grew true. up in a different state. So, true, yeah. sir. Okay. That is the way it happens, sir. I stand corrected. Sir. I stand corrected. Are you corrected. sure, sir? <laughs> oh, I oh. see what you're doing. Fuck yeah. both of you right now. <laughs> um, I yeah, I I guess I wasn't evaluating it on its historical ac- accuracy. I was evaluating it as am I enjoying watching this production? And hell yes, I did. Um, I think it's uh, it's one of the most like thoroughly practiced and engineered shows uh i've ever seen like from the compositions to the musical motifs to the choreography to the lighting to the i mean it is just an intricate watch of a show um and they execute amazingly i i do agree with a lot of the reviewers that say lin-manuel moran is actually probably the worst performer on the stage um the rest of the cast is better than him but you know he also wrote the book, the music, and the you know, <laughs> and yeah. the lyrics. So, yeah. I'll, I'll sure you he's get to the be least, in that show. I would say he's the least energetic performer, but he's also he's he's the only one really carrying it intellectually. You know, it's it's not mm-hmm. like anyone else is explaining, except for Burr. No one else is really explaining what's going on. I felt well. Burr is like. the narrator. Right, he's he. Every every new scene starts with Burr doing the "How does a bastard orphan son of you know he he's he's the guy who tells the story but until I mean, the very end." Yeah, but I mean, like like Lafayette, uh, you know, he has his bit. Uh, um, uh, Jefferson has his bit. They all have their yeah. their stuff, but nobody's really centering what's going on. Yeah, the narrator will do that, but. Lin Manuel Miranda has to as well, I guess. Uh, mm. It's like it's not as showy a job, I guess. Anyway, I I think it's great. I think that in terms of if you want the experience of seeing Hamilton without forking over the hundred dollars per ticket, um, this is a decent substitute. I I mean. Um, I got a lot of the same energy. The, you're not going to get the big chill moments from when a, a live performance is firing on all cylinders when it's live. Uh, there are definitely some sound mix uh, issues where it doesn't sound as good as the, you know, as the recording they did in the studio. You know, so if you're into that, you're going to notice some some differences there. Um, 
but yeah, it is a it is a solid version of Hamilton, and I kind of hope that other big shows that you know that have a cast that just wows everybody do this in the future and go ahead and film and and get that cast on film so that we get that performance uh, in Ember or whatever. So yeah, yes. I liked it. So do you think that in forty years, fifty years time, someone will make another? musical based around the birth of America so that we can get 1776 Hamilton and then X. Well, it's funny you should mention that because I've been shopping a uh, play on uh, John Quincy Adams that would be performed by an all Japanese cast in a no play. (laughs) Nice. Thank you. Okay. I wish you all the luck in that. Hi. Hi. <laughs> okay. I did have a couple other things to complain about real quick. Or one thing to recommend and one thing to complain about in my fresh shit. Okay. Um thing to complain about. God damn it, Hulu. Uh yeah, I told you guys I was watching BattleBots a couple of uh episodes a- a- ago. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they're building up to their big like bracket with 16, you know, robots and you get invested in it because it's the closest thing to sports that's available right now and then hulu just doesn't have those episodes of the season at all so you don't know how it ends they're just not there so you can't watch. <laughs> they're like okay we're ready to go with our bracket in the next episode and that's the end of the season so nice. fuck you and it's like hey 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 so hulu i'm mad at you right now i think you should um, cancel you should just cancel hulu yeah um but then the other thing i found um, was on the Epic Game Store on PC. Cost me three whole dollars. Uh, and it's totally worth three bucks. It's called Missile Command Recharged, and it's a modern version of Missile Command. Uh, it's really straightforward. You play it by moving and clicking your mouse, but it like sands all of the rough edges off of Missile Command, and it actually has this really elegant. Like, a lot of video games have these, you know, skill point, skill tree systems, which I'm usually not a fan of. Missile Command makes it real straightforward. There's, like, four things you can upgrade, like the speed your missiles fly or the size of the explosion, that kind of thing. Also, your missile bases respawn. You don't have to think about which base you're firing from. Um, And you just upgrade these by uh, trading in the score you got in previous games that adds up. It's really straightforward. It's a really simple progression. It gets you playing more and more and it's totally worth three bucks so missile command sure why not but it's the same game where you point the cursor click the button and then the little ball of fire goes and kills all the missiles it's just straight up missile command uh it's it's got this this one thing that flies across the screen that you know has special effects that go off for a few you know for a certain amount of time so like it it randomizes you blow it up and sometimes it makes things go faster and sometimes it gives you shields and sometimes it just blows everything on the screen up and things like that but uh it's it's pretty straightforward but it's a good update modern update of missile command well, it's nothing more than what it what it has always been well the thing is in the original arcade game you had the trackball which made it really easy and then when yeah. they translated it to atari then you had to use the joystick which made it not so easy no this is on your computer. You use the mouse. Click, click, click. Okay. I guess that's a good happy medium. Maybe. Yeah, it totally okay. works. Okay. And I use a trackball for a mouse, so for me it's even better. But anyway. <laughs> Cheater. Well, my, my stupid old man wrists don't want to use a mouse. They hurt. So. Okay. Anyway. So that's my fresh shit. Who else has got stuff? Well... Uh, I have discovered the universe of Philomena Kunk uh, ah, with yes. the the series Kunk on Britain, uh, <laughs> which is just just wonderful. It's 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 allergy, uh, uh essentially uh, an allergy version or no no a version of allergy that takes place in British history shows. Uh, if you've watched any of those where people walk around England going, in 1438, this shit got set on fire or whatever. And it's this woman doing it and explaining British history from the perspective of someone who is innocently stupid. And <laughs> This is the sort of historical inaccuracy Eric likes. I <laughs> love it. Yeah. Yeah. This 
was the Battle of Britain. It seems amazing that these young men could fly and fight so well. Although when you look, you'll see the planes had tiny targets and crosses drawn on the side, which made them easier to hit. But planes weren't only used in dogfights. The Germans changed tactics. Instead of attacking planes, which could move out of the way, they attacked the ground, which couldn't, in something called the Blitz. And the thing is, no, no, what, going back to Hamilton real quick, it's not that it's inaccurate. It's that everything that happened was a lot more um, complex than that. You know, mm. uh, but whatever. Uh, Philomena yeah. Kunk would not understand. <laughs> Philomena Kunk would be like, "Yeah, I don't care. It's still lame." So this is um, a, a character, though. It's not like a real. real yeah, it, okay. it is a character. Yeah. Okay. Um, and she started on uh, uh, Newswipe. So it is a uh, uh, what's his name again? Charlie Brooker. It is another Charlie Brooker joint. Yeah. Okay. okay. Charlie Brooker, who, uh, yeah made his name in Newsweb. He's, he's most famous for uh, writing Black Mirror, but man, is his, uh, yeah, is his historical or new stuff hilarious. Yeah, and, the, <laughs> and Diane Kunk is actually played by Diane Morgan, who you might know. Did you, did you ever watch that show Afterlife? The, no, uh, no. the Ricky Gervais series about a guy whose wife dies, and he basically just goes completely sideways and my wife said i need to watch it because this guy's me <laughs> and and that's all you have to do to get me to watch something that's how how thick my vanity streak runs it's uh, me i'll okay. watch me to see me yeah okay. now i've i've finally figured out how to pitch shows here so yeah. exactly awesome exactly yeah. <laughs> like philomena kunk asks questions like you know why do you think they called it world war one that seems a bit pessimistic or were they yeah. trying to start a franchise yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, that's a I, fair like, question that's a fair question <laughs> so if they did hope and glory in 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 uh portuguese would it still be uh the same or would it, that just fucking ruin it <laughs> <laughs> Well, the Brits do have a flair for sort of uh, circumventing the norm when they do shows like that, because it still goes back to uh, the Travel Man series with Richard Iode, uh, where he basically just does a 30-minute travel show wherein his whole shtick is that he hates travel. <laughs> uh, that's on Hulu as well. I would recommend that, because he's basically just wandering around with one of his celebrity friends just going, I don't, yeah, I don't get any of this. I'd rather just go home. But they do it like a whiz-bang 30-minute getaway travel show it's kind of the same flavor so yeah i i always thought it'd be a fun uh, okay a fun i a movie pitch uh about a guy who does one of those travel shows uh and he always shows up basically just in time to shoot the bits where it's like and here we're standing by the blah -de blah -de blah and as soon as they yell cut he you know dashes off to get hammered and laid and just just fucks around like the entire time and then just shows up just in time to do the next bit you know it's basically he's found a job where he can be you know a professional drunk but nobody knows it because he's a travel show guy okay do it yeah but right after you sell your your japanese version of the american revolution musical yes. okay yes <laughs> i don't know okay so you've just been cunking it up all week that's that's the best I've got because I like when I'm working I'll have something running in the background and I've just had on so many shit movies like things I have not I had not seen but I didn't bother mm -hmm. watching because I was like oh oh I'm not going to watch that movie that's shit but now I'm like I don't care it's in the background and now I'm just sort of like looking up from my computer going yep Moneyball is shit don't care. <laughs> yeah okay that's i mean fair. it's <laughs> that's fair yeah yeah it's like moneyball it, it, it's its strength is a love of math which always makes for a great movie but they dismiss that premise in favor of major league baseball is very bitchy yeah well, you know, that's that's basically all it was. It's like two guys walking around going, "How come nobody believes us that we can we can have a winning yeah. team?" Well, this is you know? the best thing about Moneyball, the actual life story, is that it ruined professional baseball because yeah. they figured out a way to do it on the cheap with algorithms rather than just figuring it out how to get players to play. Uh, and yeah, they I, fucked I, it all up. Yeah, 
yeah, exactly. Like make that make that movie, but instead of a baseball team and all that, make it a guy who's figured out how to have uh, uh, checkout registers at the the grocery chain, so they don't have to pay as many baggers. You know, <laughs> really? it's like the ultimate anti uh, worker story. <laughs> yes. Does anybody yeah. like those? Do those benefit anyone? Okay. What? Anyway, those those checkout things. Yeah, anyway. yeah. You know what? <laughs> the, their primary benefit is I don't have to talk to some lady who works at a grocery store. Yeah. Who I would not talk to otherwise. That's like getting into a meaningful conversation with somebody in public transit. Oh. Yeah. Okay. But now you are you are literally doing the work of a grocery uh-huh. store worker and not getting paid. In exchange for not having to talk to poor people, yes. <laughs> but here's the thing: you, if you buy uh, like cough medicine and liquor, you still have to talk to somebody because they have to have ID. Like Sudafed, wow. Sudafed and wine still makes you have to talk to somebody. So okay, the exceptions that prove the rule. All yeah. I'm saying, I don't, is- <laughs> I don't think those people actually want to talk to you. I'm pretty sure you can go up to the line. Uh, validate someone having a job and just leave them the hell alone and they don't want to talk to you either. Yeah. If you're lucky. <laughs> well, well, bottom line, if you write that movie, Eric, please sure, make sure you include a five-minute scene of somebody trying to figure out how to keep it from misscanning something <laughs> over and over and over until you have to call the person over to reset the machine so you can misscan it again. That's my yeah. favorite part about this. It's not the misscanning. It's the thing. It's the scale. It's the thing like, put, yeah, yeah. slow wow. down, put the stupid thing on the scale. Yeah. No? What are they okay. doing to your checkout yeah. machines in Texas and Arizona? Out here in the, the boonies and the wilds of Oregon, we know how to use a checkout machine. I think it was, well, yeah. You scan the thing, but then you can't scan the next thing until it registers that you put the first thing in the bag, which is measured by a scale. Yeah. And the, and so it forces you to slow down, and then it fucks up, and then it's and then you have to call the person over. It sucks. <laughs> this is my theory: is if it works in a blue state, it just means that they're not suppressing the vote. That's the correlation. <laughs> <laughs> so there. That's right. We've had mail-in voting for twenty years. Yeah, and the yeah, yeah. we got uh, mail-in voting in Arizona. Texas all broken, but anyway. Yeah, Texas. The Supreme Court said, "Nah, you don't need it unless you're old." That's pretty yeah. much their Yeah, I'd like line. to know how the Supreme Court's cool with, like, some people have an easier time voting, but other people don't. <laughs> well, that's constitutional. Yeah, that's, a whole, that's a whole other gerrymandering biscuit. Uh, I yeah. would really, really, I mean, I would almost applaud if Republicans said, we can't have mail-in voting because we'll lose. That would <laughs> some be... Some of them did. That's pretty much what they loud. said. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Trump yeah. did, too, but I mean, like, in court. Yeah. Because... That's 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 apparently what the chief justice has been telling, you know, the Trump administration is you have to actually make an argument. You, you can't just say because we want to do some uh, uh, some shifty stuff, you yeah. know, which is basically what they do. <laughs> well, no, it's it's more like here's my lawyer. He wrote a thing that said we need to do some shifty stuff. Case closed as far as I'm concerned. I mean, that's yeah. literally their legal teams. I wrote it in some legalese. Uh, so we should be fine, right? They've got like the most post facto, Your Honor. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're trying to throw an election here, so chop chop with the decision yeah. making. Every time I hear something Trump says or somebody from his administration say something, it always makes me think of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure at the end when the dude's just standing there going, "Uh, things are the same, but different." It's computers. <laughs> I mean, it's literally the same thing to me. USA. Yeah. Can I I tell you, he said, he said, like, like, he's always saying something that makes me go, oh, you motherfucker. But this one, this one really made me go, did, did anyone else hear that? Was that just me? Uh, he, he was coming out with, you know, the jobs numbers, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, which basically are two weeks old because of when they take the, the, the survey data and when they process it. So this is like. Right before the cases of COVID went through the roof again, yeah. Yeah, but it doesn't matter for this story, because he he says, yeah, these job numbers came out, and they're really good, and, you know, these aren't just, you know, what did he say? This isn't just me saying this, either, as as sort of a tacit admission oh, that yeah, when lots he of says it, saying it's it. horse shit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's his thing. Lots of people are saying this is... 
is almost no, but always crap. Yeah. I'm I'm misquoting it. I know, but he what he what he said really was his exact words were: "These are real numbers. These aren't just me talking. Mm. These are real. You know, like because I'm completely full of shit. Uh, these are <laughs> real numbers. Yeah. <sighs> oh, anyway, criminal Chris, yeah, criminal. do you have any fresh shit? <laughs> I, I wish I did. I love that this is just lately has all Grumble, become like this grumble <laughs> bitch festival. Yeah. <laughs> Trump and the state of things. Yeah. What else is there to do? That's true. This is just yeah. a stupid podcast that we say dumb stuff in, but I think it's also our weekly venting session. So yes, yes. <laughs> it's otherwise we would just explode. So thanks for bearing with us, whoever stayed it this far. You know, really not very many that. people have stayed this far. I don't <laughs> know if you've looked at I don't know. People numbers. have a lot of time. They're listening to every single episode and then they're moving on to lore. You know, <laughs> you, you really don't look at our numbers, do you? <laughs> <laughs> no. That would just be depressing. Fuck that. Oh, uh, Chris, so you got um, no fresh shit? <laughs> uh I have Really nothing, because uh, Eric came up with this fabulous idea to talk about vampire movies, and then that drew me into a just endless pit of vampire movies. I mean, well, that's, let's, uh, let's get on with the vampire movies. Well, then here's the conceit for this week's show. I believe vampire movies are basically trash. They, <laughs> it's true. There's it's like true. one story. <laughs> That's that was started with the the novel Dracula. Uh, it was for its time interesting. Certainly, it was a gothic romance. You know, why not? Who cares? The problem is that movie keeps getting remade and remade and remade. And, and so, basically, vampire movies have two kinds: one, retelling the Dracula story with some new uh, angle, or just a movie about the vampire lore where we pick and choose what rules apply to vampires, because sometimes they can go out in the day. (laughs) And sometimes you don't need to invite them into your house, and they don't need to attack virgins. And, you know, this is true, but that's not. It's just... It's it's very fluid, the rules, but I think that's because, in part, it's based on mythology and folklore, which shifts from country to country, from Mm -hmm. culture to culture. And artists writers filmmakers etc sort of pick and choose the ones that help further their narrative the best and so over a hundred some odd years now we have well this works here but this doesn't work so we'll just pick and choose because otherwise yeah because i mean vampires on on the face of it are just silly uh as creatures of the night whatever creature of the night creature of the night Oh, sorry. They they're not scary, so I I agree with your assessment, Eric. Your theory, yeah, yeah. That that they just they they're considered horror, quote unquote. But I've not yet seen any vampire movie that had any way remotely in the way of yeah. scares. I mean, it just they're not yeah. they're not scary. So. They're they're mm. they're they're dangerous, all powerfully immortal beings, unless and until they're not. In which case, you kill them in junk. Yeah, you know, it's like uh, they—they've lived hundreds of years. We're just meeting them that one day somebody puts a wooden stake in their. <laughs> you know, it's like, come That's, on. And by the way, a wooden stake's going to kill anybody, so shut up. Well, yeah, and then what? Beheading that one also works. Yeah, uh, which no shit. So basically, you're just <laughs> you know, it's like so. Where where does the difficulty come in? So right. if if they're allergic to daylight, like most of the Hammer films with Cushing as Van Helsing, just wait for the sun to come up, kick open the coffin, drive a stake through their heart, set them on fire. I mean, you're done. Yeah. Boom. And and a Hammer film, that's its own charming. I mean, yeah. they would they can they can make you know movies that are awesome out of like Gorgons. It doesn't yeah. matter. They'll they'll find a way. So yeah. I don't blame them. They're just taking whatever form exists yeah. and making it fucking awesome yeah. <laughs> well you talk about the the types of vampire movies so this is this is my assessment i came up with three basic types in my vast week of research uh and watching so there's oh, here the, we go there's the classic gothic romance type you know brom stoker's dracula and that's literally 95 yeah. percent of these things from what i can tell they all sort of yeah. owe some allegiance to that but then there's the the middle ground the hammer exploitation ones that started in the late 50s and then by the 70s you could do all kinds of nudity and gore and they were really just 
grindhouse flicks. Uh, right. So there's that. And then starting in the 80s up to now, you get a lot of like the postmodernist take on it. Uh, and those are really the three main categories. You can throw like the, the fourth Boys. one. Is, you can, yeah. Or you could throw in the fourth category, like the Blades and the Underworlds, which are just sort of weird actioners I think of those, disguised as vampire movies. Yeah, I think of those as like the sort of sci-fi approach. Yeah. It's like, let's treat this as actually something that exists. Yeah. What would what would happen? It's like, what's that other one? The the one with uh, uh, Ethan Hawke, Daybreakers. Oh, Daybreakers. I think. Yeah. That's another one where it's like, okay, let's 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 add the complexity of science to this horseshit. Yeah. <laughs> and then you get the space vampires, which could be its own separate thing, like Life Force yeah. or whatever. So maybe four. <laughs> uh, so yeah. what about the comedies? There's Love at First Bite and Once Bitten here's, and Dracula Dead and Loving It. Here's what yeah. I will say: is that there has not been a successful vampire comedy yet. Agree. Period. Agree. Though Nosferatu comes damn close. <laughs> I think that movie was primarily a comedy. The the first Nosferatu, the twenty no the one with Willem Dafoe. Oh, Shadow as, of the Vampire. Shadow of the Vampire. Yes. Sorry, I guess I thought it was actually called Nosferatu. Well, it's, yeah, it's Shadow a, of the Vampire. Yeah, yeah. I I almost had it on my list because it's it's I love the conceit. <laughs> it's like mm. so when the Bernal filmed Nosferatu, the very first vampire movie ever made, uh, he used a real vampire, <laughs> and they kind of covered it up. So there's all these weird shenanigans on the set of this. German expressionist killing everybody <laughs> yeah. except what? for. Have you yeah. never seen this, Brian? <laughs> no. It, star- it stars Willem Dafoe uh, as Max Schreck, the vampire from Nosferatu, and then uh, Malkovich is Murnau, the filmmaker. And the whole movie is just basically Murnau trying to hide the fact that he hired a vampire to play the vampire in his vampire movie. <laughs> yeah. It's genius. It's genius. And So wait, yeah. are we saying this is a good comedy then? It's good. It's a, it, yeah. I, whether it's like strictly speaking a comedy, I don't know. But they are definitely funny on purpose. Yeah. And I love this film. Yeah. Okay. So that we one. got one. Uh, I'll, I'll, Carrie I'll t- Eels is his uh, heroin addicted cinematographer. <laughs> he is brilliant. Yeah, it's so funny. It. It's so funny. Uh, uh, I'll add two others to the list, though, just as exceptions that don't prove the rule. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we do in the shadows. I love that movie. Yeah, it makes yeah, okay. me laugh every fucking time. Uh, yeah. The TV show is really good too, because they manage to expand the the lore and the universe, but keep the same flavor. Uh, so that makes me laugh. Uh, and then, and it's technically not a vampire movie, but it might as well be because it covers all the same ground. But Nicolas Cage and Vampire's Kiss always makes me laugh mm. because that is such an insane movie from start to finish about a guy that thinks he's turning into a vampire and then develops all of the traits, but doesn't have any of the gravitas of any real vampire. Right. So when, he's got- when really what we're watching is his very sad, uh, 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 sinking into mental illness yeah i mean it's you're laughing at somebody who is (laughs) yeah well that's the power destroying himself yeah it's the power of cage's performance though like at the end when he's got the plastic vampire teeth in his mouth and he's just trying to be scary it's like oh that is just the most ridiculous thing i've seen all week so that's a good one so mostly though you get things like once bitten or yeah. Dracula dead and loving it, etc. So yeah, it's a Which, that's yeah. that's a non-starter as a subgenre. The vampire comedy is just tricky. All right, so we were, I, I think Eric, your premise was that that vampire movies suck. Vampires primarily, suck, uh-huh. yeah. There, but with, that we there were are exceptions. Call out good ones. Yeah. Or, yeah. Okay. Oh, I I would say let's call out like let's do this. Let's call out one that is I don't know. We hate and why, and one that is okay. yeah the exception to the rule balance. Uh, I like it. I like it. Yeah, I want to go first because uh, mm-hmm. it's my it's my topic. Um, yeah. I because and because I actually sat through the nineteen eighty John Badham production of Dracula. <laughs> yes, I did too. I did too. Whoa, <laughs> with Frank Langella. It's so bad. Yeah, and and the thing is, I watched it on the strength of both. Frank Langella and the play it's based on you know that was that was a play that was very popular on Broadway at the time they got the rights to make a film well got the rights they they made a cash grab and 
Yeah, well, it's supposed to be this big deal, and it is almost beat for beat the Francis Ford Coppola Dracula, except Francis Ford Coppola also infused some of the 1974 um, uh, Dracula with oh, what's his name? Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee. Okay. Yeah. And, and and it makes you realize, oh, wow, Coppola really has been a hack for a very long time. He stole everybody's <laughs> Dracula movie. Yeah. Well, but, the, uh, the, the 79 yeah, oh. one kills me, though, because it's also got Debbie D. Richter, who wrote the script, the man who also did Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah. Uh, you got mm. Donald Pleasant. also got Fred Williams. It. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's so ridiculous. And you've got Frank Langella with that weird disco bouffant hair that yeah. doesn't quite work. He's just, uh, it's just so weird. Yeah. And flat. And, and yeah, it, it's boring for one. It's got a John Williams score. And yeah. if you, what? if you thought yeah. that John Williams <laughs> could save any movie, he cannot because nope. this, yeah, yeah. And, and it was good music too, but did not pull my attention away from the most hilarious sex scene I've ever seen in a film. <laughs> With a man and a woman in silhouette, like a, a Bond credit sequence, uh, 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 and, and, and disco, not disco, like circular laser lights, like, like Frankie goes to Hollywood, relax, the, yeah. the big green tube of light. They're making out in one of those, and then a bat. <laughs> like a barely poorly done bat goes well, flipper 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 yeah, in but, another yeah oh. but at least to its credit it's not like the 31 dracula or some of the early hammer ones where it's basically just a like a fake bat on a string that they're moving up and down but uh yeah but in that moment to have a bat you know while you're you know bumping uglies with dracula it's just not yeah you know, it's not right yeah <laughs> <laughs> well it's it it still beholden too much to the classic iconic yeah. version of dracula and it just falls flat i mean yeah i love frank langella to death but he just could not pull it off yeah Who produced and, this thing it's, it's it sounds like they brought a lot of stuff to, to bear it uh, was a big deal yeah it was, it was a big, a big deal at the time it was also the same year that love at first bite came out and i would be hard pressed to tell you which one is better Honestly, <laughs> but this was a, but I mean, this was like, uh, uh, like, like, like Lawrence Olivier is Van Helsing. <laughs> oh yeah. I forgot. Jesus. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, they, they were pulling out all the stops and John Badham was not yet recognized as the cinematic cancer that he is now. He was riding high on that, uh, Saturday night fever. Saturday, yeah. Uh, yeah. This is well before he did blue thunder, short circuit, war games, stakeout, yeah. bird of wire, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Wow, you just pulled that out, John Badham filmography straight out of your ass. Well, I like, forgot you, Turner and Hooch, but don't hold it against me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah you, the, I guess. I guess what I'm asking is, you know, you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you I mean, this is the kind I, of dumb shit we talk about all the yeah, time. <laughs> it's really. How could you be a kid of the '80s and not know who John Badham is? That's I, the thing. Uh, I apparently avoided a lot of that shit. Yeah, I don't think I've watched much oh, of those I movies know it either. You didn't work at a video store. Yeah, that's uh, it. That's it. You didn't I do your movie time. Theater, but yeah, yeah, not the video store. Mm. All right. Well, if that's yeah, your- I'd love to work in a video store that only had six movies at a time. That'd be the shit. <laughs> yeah, and they're all John Badham films. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So if that's your barometer for the the low end, uh. Just give us a rundown of just briefly, like, top three reasons why it's awful. Uh, okay. It's the classic sort of uh, romance novel, little girl porn version of a horror movie. Okay. Because, yeah. It, 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 and it was the one that was stylized as, like, the sort of mature, erotic, like, one. And it's <laughs> nope. just a lie. Nope. No. Nope. Maybe, yeah, you're you're doing... Elizabethan gothic romance in the late seventies, and you think somehow you're pushing boundaries? That's yeah. just no, nope. just just forget it. So yeah, okay. I think that alone, that 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 alone, right? Because the production value I thought was great, actually, for seventy nine. I I loved the model work on the ships. I loved the acting. Yeah. I I do think that Count Dracula could have invested in a duster. You know, there's a <laughs> lot of cobwebs. And, yeah. and when, when she, you know, when, um, 
Lucy shows up to, you know, or was it Lucy or the other one? I can't. No, in the beginning, it's... Nobody cares. Well, that's the other thing, is in every version of Dracula, either the play or the book, they they flip the characters around just a little bit, so it's always just slightly weird. Uh, But in this one, Mina is the one who he turns into a vampire and she dies, and then Lucy becomes... or is going to be the wife of Jonathan Harker, ah, and then okay, she's yeah. the one that he tries to turn. Where it's like in other versions, it's the it's opposite. Lucy's the one that yeah. gets turned first, and Nina, Mina's the one that yeah. It's so uh, they can never well, get that right either. Yeah, Mina like walks into this house of horrors that uh, Dracula lives in, and not once goes ew. <laughs> I mean, there's like an enormous spider crawling on the ceiling. Yeah, and and she's just like, well, um, I came over for dinner. What are we eating? You know. Mm, bugs no no yeah so okay. so yeah this is it's just it's just boring yeah that's, i think that's, that's it's, my my problem it's that's its boring. main sin yeah is that it, mm-hmm. it's just a yawn big yawn. yeah okay i mean yeah say what you want about the coppola dracula it's not boring no anything yeah. but but yeah. there you go all right Tasteless, so but not boring <laughs> so what's your what's your good one uh i well okay if 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 the whole Dracula vampire genre is not satisfying to me. I got to find my thrill somewhere else. And so I go with the style of The Hunger, which okay. is hmm. fucking awesome. Not a big Tony Scott fan, but well, it, his is early films one. are pretty amazing. And I, this one was. I love the fact that it's the one that he made before Top Gun, but it took him three years to get that gig. I think because people saw The Hunger and went... What in the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> Him and his brother, they yeah. both made these really interesting out-of-the-gate films. Uh, you know, uh, Ridley Scott making Legend and him making this. And then everything about their careers had nothing to do with that. Yeah. But it was just so... Wait, I'm sorry. Did you just call Legend interesting? You didn't think it was? <laughs> I, I, love I watched it and we ragged on it like a few episodes back. You, you guys seemed to hate it when I came with it for fresh shit. So I um, thought it was uh, well. That's the thing. I thought it was an interesting look, but it's yeah, like okay. nothing like anything he's done. Yeah, I, it's, I found it. Yeah, tedious. It, it's anyway. definitely yeah. It not not on the same plane as Alien or Blade Runner. Yeah, uh, and that sort of okay. thing. Whatever. But still, uh, so the hunger. The yeah. hunger. <laughs> yeah, different the hunger, different movie. <laughs> the hunger, yeah, it's it's very uh, moody, very alien. It's sort of a film language that we've not seen before or since. It's like he's sort of making something up. Yeah, and it works. It just works. It's like a it's like a weird dream you had yeah. about going to see the Bauhaus, and then David Bowie. And Catherine Deneuve tried to fuck you on the dance floor. You know? <laughs> I will give it credit for being the only vampire movie that had the balls before or since to actually open with Bella Lugosi's Dead by Bathmas. Uh, and it's like that this was weird also the video for that song. Yeah. It's just the beginning of the hunger. It's like Peter Murphy looking very vampiric behind some sort of mesh wire thing at a club. Yeah. Uh, and then they do this weird choppy intercut uh, deal with this vampire couple picking up their prey. One of then, them is uh, uh, is uh, Anne Magnuson. Yeah, by the way, the redhead. A, yeah, we watched. Yeah, we watched this this weekend. And my wife's like, "Oh, I forgot Anne Magnuson was in this." Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but basically, the just I love the gist that uh, Bowie is Catherine Deneuve's vampire lover, and she promised him immortality. But it turns out, no. When she turns somebody, they only live for another couple hundred years, and then no, they start. No. <laughs> he got immortality. It's just he's gonna live it in a closet, yeah, li- live in a box, yeah, <laughs> as an old wretched man. So yeah, yeah, it's like it's like all of a sudden one day this like this progeria hits, and then they got to spend the rest of their lives in their in the box. And so she's got this whole attic full of like former lovers. He's like number yeah. six, I think. 
It's so weird. It's so weird. Yeah, it's not structurally, you know, a great script by any means. It's got a lot of holes, a lot of flaws. It's very difficult to follow at times, but I love it to death. It's very stylish. Yeah. Uh, And it definitely has a lot owed to stuff like Blade Runner, but also American Gigolo, all of those sort of iconic early 80s sort of... Mm-hmm. visual movies uh tony scott picked up a lot of stuff on that one, so yeah you could have you could have made the same movie uh you know only replaced you know uh, vampires with with i don't know the mob and heroin and and it still would have worked <laughs> yeah so that's why it's the exception to my rule that vampire movies yeah. in and of themselves not too interesting well, you know what's funny is I watched it and it struck me it's the Keystone vampire movie for all of the modern era stuff almost because it's got uh, Susan Sarandon as sort of the Kevin Bacon, we'll call her, of this enterprise because mm-hmm. Chris Sarandon was the vampire in Fright Night and she mm-hmm. was married to Chris Sarandon. Uh, then there's like that whole... Anyway, I had a whole thing worked out and it just like you could start seeing like connections to her like she was in Thelma and Louise with Brad Pitt who went on to do interview with the vampire so it's like all this weird succession of people that she <laughs> had worked with and ended oh, up in Rocky vampire Horror, she sang creature of the night creature yeah. of the night creature of the night creature of the night creature of the night so but it's a very creature ambiguous ending uh so did Susan Sarandon end up becoming the next vampire, or do you think she was going to start aging in 200 years? I, 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 like I said, I woke up. It's like nothing exists after the end of that movie because, it's, <laughs> okay. oh, wow, that was a <laughs> fucked up dream. I had a burrito last night. Well, let me tell you what happened. <laughs> Bam. Okay. That's fair enough. Yeah, Interesting. Okay. So how about, how about uh, uh, you, Chris? Uh... Thank you, Eric, for that. Uh, <laughs> uh, so we start with the, the shitty one first, yes? Yes. Chris, give okay. us the entire cinematic history of vampires, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish I could, but again, horror is not my go-to genre. Uh, so it, this is all sort of tangential for me. Uh, but I did, I did watch about 12 vampire movies in the course Jesus of five days. Christ. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I told you. This, uh, this was my idea and I didn't put that much research into it well I started going well shit that's kind of like this and then I had to go find X and then watch that and go well okay how's this compared to Y <laughs> yeah uh, but that mm. did leave watches me watches more movies than film critics watch to make <laughs> this podcast yeah. <laughs> that's dedication that's why uh, there's, a, there's so many shitty ones but the the ones to me are the that try to be something new but still wind up shitty those are the ones that always strike me as interesting. I almost picked Lost Boys because over time I've just grown to uh, despise that movie. Not, okay, I, Lost yeah. Boys is my is my bad one. So. Okay, then I'll leave that one for you. Sure. Um, and then there's uh, just others like Once Bitten. The but the one I chose was one I hadn't watched in almost thirty years. Uh, but when it came out, it was the same year as the Lost Boys, and everybody lost their minds over it because it was so moody and so dark and gritty and la la la. But Near Dark, which is by Catherine Bigelow, yeah, uh, it does not hold up at all. It is just fragmented, <laughs> disjointed. She's got some interesting ideas that just get buried by a narrative that goes nowhere. She backtracks Another one on her rules. that you're going to see if you work in a video store because yeah. somebody always puts it on. Uh, but basically, it's about a... It's like a revisionist Western, so it's set in the modern-day... Dust Bowl, uh, Midwest, South, and so there's a lot of dusty roads and small towns, and this guy ends up getting bitten by Jenny Wright, who you'll know from Lawnmower Man and stuff like that, and she turns out she's a vampire, so she turns him because she's part of this vampire family, Uh, and the only interesting thing about the family is that they've got a little kid, and this is before Interview with the Vampire was a movie, so this was one of the first instances where there's a child as a vampire. And it's the little kid from River's Edge, so he's already really creepy. Uh, and then it's sort of the the main hero of the story trying to wrestle with being a vampire, and he doesn't want to do it. And then they figure out that all you have to do is uh, make a 
make a blood transfusion and then you can reverse the effects i guess but before he gets to that point he goes on this like murder spree across the midwest bonnie and clyde style with his vampire family uh the only good thing about it is the middle part where they pick a fight in a bar with a bunch of people and basically just murder everybody it's a a well done scene but it's not anything to recommend a whole movie around it just doesn't hold up uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. That's what I have uh, to say. What else you got? Uh, a good one. So good one. Uh, this uh, I wrestled back and forth, but uh, I gotta go with a fairly recent one, and it's one that still sticks with me every time I watch it. And it, I will just preface with this: it is not going to be everybody's cup of tea, uh, but it's only lovers left alive. By Jim Jarmusch. I wanted to make this one the one I watched this week, but it wasn't available on anything that I already had a subscription to, so I didn't do it. And yeah. I, I still want to see it, so tell us it's about this. It's so yeah, good. Yeah, me too. Uh, but it's basically, it, it takes the vampire mythos and sort of skews it sideways, and basically Jim Jarmusch has turned them into uh, immortal hipsters who are so bored with trying to find new stuff to keep them occupied and interested uh, <laughs> that they have reached some sort of weird bridge of ennui. I mean, it's like they they basically live apart from each other, and it's Tom Hiddleston and Tilda Swinton. Uh, he lives in Detroit, which is perfect because it's like this decaying city. Uh, they allude to the fact that he might be uh, a rock star in seclusion, so he pulls that vampire stat <laughs> deal. Uh, so he gets all these people that sort of randomly show up outside of his derelict house in the middle of nowhere in Detroit. Uh, and he calls them zombies. He's just always got cash. He's got his Renfield character played by the late Anton Yeltkin, uh, who goes out and finds him vintage guitars and stuff. And he basically just tinkers with music in his house all day long. And Tilda Swinton lives in Tangier, and she's friends with... Uh, Kit Marlowe, Christopher Marlowe, the playwright, and there's a lot of in-jokes about how he wrote all of Shakespeare's plays, and they're like, Ugh. and basically their whole through line for this is, well, you know, the whole point is just to get it out there. Just get the work out there. <laughs> and that's the through line. Because <laughs> you come to find out that Hiddleston wrote a bunch of stuff for famous composers. You've got Christopher Marlowe as a vampire in seclusion, etc., etc. So it's basically just people that provide all this culture in the world, but they're vampires. And they're basically the point where they don't go out and kill people and suck blood they actually surreptitiously go to places like hospitals and under the table buy a bunch of uh donor blood like o positive because it's pure and they get some sort of weird high off of it uh so it's almost like heroin because if they eat regular people it makes them sick because the world is so polluted now. So basically, uh, so there's all these elements that Jarmusch has woven in. It's the, This is literally what it would like to be an immortal vampire, and quite frankly, it sucks. I mean, that's literally the through line, and I love every minute of it. But it's very deliberately paced, so if you don't like that sort of thing, do not watch this movie, because he doesn't give you the big wow-wow payoff. It's just like every Jarmusch movie. It's just the steady through line, but he throws in all this weird tangential shit at odd times, and it's fairly asymmetrical in that uh, structure. Uh, but that's the through line. And so basically, it's just, this is what real-life vampires would be like. Uh, and I bought every moment of it. And so, yeah, it's fun. So I would Hard not to love it. a Jim Jarmusch film. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, his, he, he, he makes choices that are, are bold, even in their, their sort of <laughs> nothing's yeah. going on. Yeah. Which this one is uh, to a T, but I hate to, to use the phrase, he takes genre X and turns it on its head, but that's literally what he's done here. I mean, it's just, yeah. they're, they're hmm. tragic figures, not because they're possessed of Satan and monsters. They're tragic figures because they've literally lived so long that they've <laughs> run out of stuff to do. <laughs> and they've got no meaning left. I mean, that's that's the gist. And then they reconnect, and then that's the love story. I'm, I'm you, 50, and I'm feeling that. So, yeah. Yeah, no exactly. Thanks. Well, I think that every time I pick up uh, uh, an old copy of, you know, or or, or I, I, I jump back into Grand Theft Auto Five, it's like, there's nothing to do here. It's a whole <laughs> world. There's nothing to do here. Oh, yeah. God. I guess I'll go punch that person. Yeah. I'm um, bored. Which is, yeah, which is about <laughs> what it's like. 
So yeah, it's it, but that one speaks to my favorite form of vampire cinema, which is the ones that really aren't about the monsters and you know the horror and the gore. It's really just about uh, other stuff dressed up in vampire trappings. Because my other one that I almost did was let the right one in. See, uh, that was my good one. Yeah, so so we'll, so we'll get to that. But I I like ones that are sort of just tangentially vampire films, but they aren't really going to go gung-ho with like the, the standard horror stuff. So, ta-da. Hmm. So, in this case, then, the thing that makes the vampire movie that you like not shit is a different take on it, but not like they can do this or they can do that. It's yeah, the ennui. Basically, yeah. It's that they have to do this stuff to survive, but it's just such a drag, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's the, you don't see that in very many vampire flicks where they get to the point where it's like, man, this is really, I thought this would be fun, but it's really kind of a drag. So, yeah. <laughs> it was all sexy at first, but I'm bored. Basically, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, let's cap on Lost Boys. Uh, first of all, a uh, moment for uh, Joel Schumacher is dead. Uh, mm-hmm. Joel Schumacher died this week. R.I.P. Um, he directed Lost Boys and uh, some better movies. But and some not so better. More movies. than half of them starting with a helicopter flying along the water to a cityscape. <laughs> yeah, with uh, blue lenses for night, orange lenses for day. Yeah. Yeah. He's very idiosyncratic, yes. But uh but yeah, The Lost Boys is a 1987 film that people think of as a cult classic and I just don't I mean, I I, I brought it for fresh shit not long ago. We went to a, like an Alamo screening movie yeah. party. And I've never liked this. This movie is a soundtrack in search of a movie, yeah. as far as I can tell. And I had the soundtrack. So oh, yes. yeah, the soundtrack was good. But what the hell? <laughs> um, <laughs> this is the only good thing I can say about Lost Boys, is that it introduced the world and popularized the shirtless, muscle-bound saxophone player in any band. That's literally <laughs> all it's good for. Yeah, I'm, I'm over that, you know, whatever. It's... it's it, it, yeah, it brought us Corey Feldman and Corey Haim together for the first time. Um, yeah. Woo-hoo. And that yeah. partnership really played out well. It just, it, it's <laughs> not good as a vampire movie. It's not good as a movie movie. I really am not sure who this movie is for. It's it's like... It's for, it's for it's, teenagers. It's a tryhard. It's like, this is cool. This is cool and edgy. If you like this, you are also <laughs> cool and edgy. It, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> And it's another yeah. one where they, they just are all over the map with what they're going to pick and choose for vampire weaknesses. Uh, yeah, and they yeah. Are, there are actually moments of, of sort of self-conscious meta-ness, yeah. isn't there? Where they're yeah. putting together their, 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 their weaponry. Yeah, yeah, that and they that you're right. This is one of those ones where it's like we're gonna subvert the vampire tropes. Garlic has no meaning, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, it's just yeah, it's just dumb. I don't because uh, they try to do it like a what like wild one or something where it's just basically a biker movie in disguise. Uh, you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Okay. Uh, or you could even translate it over to something like Young Guns, which Kiefer Sutherland was in a couple years later. It's that, if that was a vampire movie, it would have been The Lost Boys. I mean, it literally is almost the same sort of vibe, just a different era. Which but is funny because, of course, they want you to go, "Oh, it's Peter Pan with vampires," but it's <laughs> it's totally not. <laughs> oh, I just put that together. No, I'm kidding. Really? No. I did. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Whoa. <laughs> So, but what I'm, what, I'm I just want to say, I'm pissed that we mentioned uh, that that Joel Schumacher died, and I I neglected to use my joke that they were going to put nipples on his coffin. Okay, onward, <laughs> carry on. All right. So obviously you don't like this movie, Brian. Uh, what's your main reason? Um, it it's just stupid. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's I all you have to it, say. And, yeah, it's stupid. Yeah, uh, it's like all style, no substance. Yes, and that's it's not even a style you like. Yeah, like yeah. I would say that the hunger is style, no substance. But I dig that style. There you go. Yeah, yeah. it's well. The thing is that Lost Boys came out as rated R, presumably for the violence, but they could have done so much more if they were already getting the R rating. You know what I mean? But they just they come up short it's almost like it's a pg-13 with a couple of gory moments that gives it the r there's no way the lost boys wouldn't be rated pg-13 today yeah like there's no way that so that's a pg-13 movie yeah 
It's just, yeah. it's just dumb. It's pandering. It's dumb. I, I don't care. Yeah, um, but I do like that uh, Alex Winter is in it. But you, it's like a blink and you miss him kind of thing. And then, he, <laughs> and then he turns up in Bill and Ted's. Wow, movie, Ale- so. Alex Winter showing up in the podcast yet again, two weeks yeah. in a row. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> by know. the way, have you guys seen the full trailer for the new Bill and Ted? I have yeah. not yet. Not it looking forward looks to it. Bad. It's yeah. not looking hey, good, folks. Bad. Bad trailer. Good movie. Right. That's true. Oh, Metro That's Center hope. closed for good. This Where they week. filmed it. Where they filmed and, Bill and Ted. Uh, and so all the Bill and Ted cosplayers in Phoenix went to Metro Center this week. To uh to go one last tour around Metro and then they cruised oh, Metro Center one last time. So good job, old geeks in Phoenix. But Yay. anyway, let's <laughs> okay. Yeah, let's move on. Let's let's let the right let's one get in. back to uh Jason Patrick and the career that never was. Or, or not. Let's let's well, I mean, what was right he on. ever in that that like made us know his name? There was this, and it was like, oh, he's going to be a big deal. And then he was in a lot of movies. Was he in Speed I, I 2? Like. I don't care. That's um, the only other thing I can think of. Yeah. Uh, he was in Geronimo. That, yeah, he was in, what was the one with the, where he was the undercover narc officer with Jennifer Jason Lee? Uh, or we could talk about Let the Right One yeah. In, which is a good movie. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and, and not... Not the remake that they did for no, America. Not the Chloe, two years not later. Let me in it <sighs> with Chloe Grace Moretz and Cody Smith. It's this is let the right one in the original movie from Sweden, starring no one you've ever heard of. Yes, because um, they're Swedish. And oh one my. of the best pool death scenes of all time. I right? love it when the when the head like ducks underwater and you realize that it's severed. <laughs> so yeah. It rolls to the bottom, and then the legs like being driven. Uh, across the water. Well, and what a great background. way to sell, you know, the power of the vampire unleashed just off camera so your yes. brain can just fill in all the details. So I don't understand your premise that this isn't a traditional vampire movie. This is totally a traditional vampire movie. It's got all the trappings. It's got the person who gets turned into the vampire. It's got the weaknesses. You got to invite them in and the sunlight. Yeah. It's just really well executed. I think it's just where, super where, I, where I get distracted is if you actually start looking at the storyline though. Uh, again, it's a child vampire, which are inherently creepy because sure. that's, that's someone who's going to age but it's going to be continually trapped as a child. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's just just tragic. But then you have to look at all of the implications of that. So she's seducing this young boy. Uh, right. And then presumably he's going to take care of her until he's too old. And then she has to do it again. Uh, so it just raises a lot of really uncomfortable questions about how that relationship will play out. Yeah. Uh, and it's, and, and they sort of undercut it with her relationship with her, her current companion, who's an old man. Uh, mm-hmm. and they do like the scenes where you can tell that they've had some sort of relationship and it's just, it's so heartbreaking, but also just so uncomfortable at the same time. Mm-hmm. I think it's the genius of the movie, but yeah, it's just, that undercuts everything else. And I sort of forget that it's an actual vampire movie. Yeah, well, and it's a straight-up horror movie, right? Like, all the deaths yeah. are grisly and and shocking. And, I I mean, I thought, if you're going to do a vampire movie, this is, this is a solid example. I will tell you that it has one of my favorite vampire death scenes, uh, or lead up to the death scene. When the, when the woman who gets turned, she's now a vampire, yes. gets mauled cats. by a room full of cats. That, that was is, messed up. It is both hilarious and frightening as shit at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> it is so well done. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Let the Right One In is about, yeah, like a 12-year-old girl, or a, a vampire who appears to be a 12-year-old girl, but is obviously much older than that. Uh, who seduces a kid who is also 12, who is bullied, uh, who is actually 12, I guess, Yeah. Uh, who is bullied and, and is kind of a psychopath and wants to kill yeah. people. He's totally and, ripe to be a serial killer, so he's the perfect <laughs> selection yeah. for her. And it takes place in Sweden, so it's all very cold and... and, and Snowy. Yeah, dark and still. And well, that's... The- that's it's the thing that sets great. the mood the best is the fact that it's there's snow everywhere and it, you don't think about it at first but when you're watching you're like holy shit this is like the hardest place 
to disguise any sort of crime like a murder. Because <laughs> uh, if you drag the body, there's the tracks. If you drop blood, it's all over the, the white snow. I mean, it's just, <laughs> those are like the little details that I start thinking of every time I watch it, going, man. See, I think if I had to drag a body through the snow, I'd tie a rake to that person. Because then they would <laughs> yeah. they would drag the snow like up. I, I, I'm always trying to think of how to you know improve on a murder. Yeah. Well, there's some good ones you? in this one. Uh, hey some people gotta die you know yeah. uh have you seen the traffic lately <laughs> i'm just saying no i haven't left my house for three months but anyway oh yeah that's true <laughs> uh, um yeah i mean i don't have a lot i don't have a lot of insight or anything into this movie i just that was the one i picked and that's the one i you yeah know, it is the show it astonishes me that it made such an impact and then like two years later someone in hollywood said yeah let's just remake that thing I mean, it's like I was appalled when that came out. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to give anybody money or any of my time to watch something that was just done two years ago. Yeah. It's Are like, we getting it's a like, remake of Parasite because people don't want to read? Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking we will. God uh, damn it. Stop it. Uh, yeah. Speaking of which, can I, can I just bring this up real quick? Because I did watch a couple of Hammer fl- flicks. Uh, but I, came, I, I finally pulled the trigger on one that had been on my bucket list for a while. Uh, because it's got one of the best titles ever, uh, called The Satanic Rites of Dracula. Are you either of you familiar with this one? Nope. nope. Okay. It's the sequel to Dracula AD 1972. Uh, so it's one of the Hammer ones with Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing that they set in what was then the current day. Uh, but in this one, uh, Peter Cushing is back as Van Helsing, and it's really like a spy movie centered on... Uh, plot point that they lifted almost directly from Diamonds Are Forever. Dracula has come back from the dead. Uh, he's hiding as a reclusive businessman in his tower block that nobody can see, and he's developing uh, through this satanic ritual group uh, a way to deliver bubonic plague to the earth because he just wants to die. <laughs> and then like MI5 and like Scotland Yard are involved. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> it's the most ridiculous movie so, ever. So, like, basically, there's no reason even for him to be a vampire. Uh, apart from, yeah, you need to have Dracula and like Van Helsing uh, chasing him down. But yeah, that's basically it. It's the it's the Diamonds Are Forever plot, but it's Dracula as Blofeld, and then <laughs> Peter Cushing is Bond. So yeah, it's I would well, recommend it if you can find it because it's just so literally batshit insane <laughs> it's just like there's no word around because if you go from like the early 58 horror of dracula which was the first lee cushing uh and that's traditional fairly much and then by the early 70s they've just thrown everything out the door and it's basically just grindhouse it's so weird so i just wanted to throw that one out there's my also rant Thank all right you. so how are we wrapping okay. this up Eric, like that, uh, by asking people to subscribe to us on whatever they're listening to us on currently. Yeah. To look for us on Twitter at MagHuge. Look for us everywhere else at Magnificently Huge. Yeah. We're also on MagHuge.com. And uh, you know what? If you don't want to do any of that, move on to the next episode on the list. But uh, uh, if you want us to do a show on your idea, we'll do it because we're easy. Yeah. Yeah. 